to turn this on. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming out. Um, so we're going to look at this whole area of leadership about being called to lead. In the Send stream, we've had different called to's. So called to your community, called to go, called to stay. So there's part of us that where you find a place where you're serving, you stay and you be part of building what God's doing there. And as Simon said, this one today is called to lead, about the importance of leadership. And leadership, just as Simon said, is important. <laughs> it is really important. It's a gift to the church, but it's also a gift to the world from God. Leadership is a gift that isn't just um, confined to the church. There are amazing, amazing leaders both within and without the church. And actually, uh, wherever that gift is used, uh, progress is made. And so why is this important to commission? Well, Simon has uh, said that already with our vision to see thousands of lives transformed through hundreds of churches in tens of nations. That's massive. <laughs> that's massive. And as part of our growth and part of our moving forward, leadership is really key in that happening. And so we want to see thousands, hundreds and tens. And Bill Hybels, um, who's a pastor in America, some of you may have read some of his books, he says this, the local church is the hope of the world and its future rests primarily in the hands of its leaders. Now Jesus is our greatest leader, it's his church, he builds it, but he also gives gifts of leadership into the church to pastor, to care, to move us forward and to help in his mission to build uh, the church. And friends, we're gripped, aren't you? I'm gripped by this great commission that God has called us to. And we follow him. We follow him as our leader and we obey him. And when he says go, we go. When he says stay, we stay. When he says lead, we lead because that's what he's called us to do. And he's called us as a sent people, an apostolic people that are part of an apostolic movement. And so we're sent to go and make disciples, to go and make followers of Christ, to go and make those who will learn about who Jesus is and what he's called us to and follow him. And so leadership enables, it releases, it equips, it protects, it cares for and unites God's people into mission. That's what it does. That's what it does. And so whether you feel a calling of any kind of leadership or whether you have a passion to see younger men and women raised up into leadership, then I hope you already can see the importance of leadership, whether you work um, in the marketplace, uh, whether you're uh, a parent, whether you're serving in any context within the church. Leadership is important, and I guess you see that by being here in the first place. And the reality is it's not a lack for commission. It's not a lack of places to go. There's loads of places we can go in the world. It's not a lack of people to reach. The fields are white for harvest. The reality is the thing that will slow us down, the thing that slows us down is the lack of leaders. We just need more. If we're going to reach thousands and hundreds and tens, we need more leaders uh, impacting and planting churches and going to the nations if we're going to see people released and equipped and empowered and coming to know jesus in our workplaces we need people who are going to lead in business and set examples in that uh, arena as well 
So with that in mind, as an introduction, I've got, we're going to look just for a, a while this afternoon at a young man from the Old Testament. We're going to look at the first 11 verses of the book of Joshua and glean some things from Joshua in those first 11 verses that will give us some lessons on leadership, things that will help us to, um, as we feel called to lead or feel called to raise leaders, things that will help us in that, I hope, to do that well and to um, see ground broken uh, for God. So um, if you've got your Bible, why don't we go to Joshua chapter 1? And I'm just going to read verses 1 to 11. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land that I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan, Jordan here to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So he see the moment that Joshua is sent by God to take the people into the promised land. Now the book of the Joshua has got lots to teach us about leadership. But I'd like to look, like to look at seven things that we need to know regarding having a call from the first 11 verses of Joshua. So these are seven things we need to know if you're taking notes. Firstly, we see from verse 1 and 2, someone has gone before us. Someone has gone before us. What we're about, friends, is not a new vision. It's God's plan. Joshua didn't become leader and change the vision he stuck to the plan. We have been in the youth, but you can see on the tweets that come out what's been said pretty much from each meeting in the adults. And um, the tweet that came out yesterday was Terry saying, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. You see, we're part of God's mission. God's mission hasn't changed since he created the world. He's always had a plan to have a people amongst whom he can dwell. He's always had a, a, a mission for the lost and for people who don't know him to become part of his family. This is not a new vision. And the life of Joshua is one of the best examples in Scripture of someone who is an exceptional follower who is given then leadership responsibility. 
Just like Joshua follows, follows Moses, most of our leadership opportunities will follow the work of someone else. So if you want to be a good leader, particularly if you're younger, but anyone in the room, <laughs> if you want to be a good leader, you need to be a great follower. You need to learn to follow those who've gone ahead of you. You need to learn to honour those who've done things and broken ground that, that you've not had to do. It's all too easy, particularly for a younger generation, to come along and say, we know best, we know how to do it, we've got it all sorted, scrap the old way, bring about a new way, and it's going to be much better. The reality is you'll make all the same mistakes that the people who've gone before you made, and you didn't need to. We just need humility. And for those who are older leaders, I was talking to my friend Charles earlier, there's that opportunity to, to keep learning how to lead, keep understanding how we take on board new ways of doing things. So we don't lead by just doing it the same way it's always been done. We can learn to do new things, reach a new generation and reach the people who need to hear this good news in different ways ourselves. So it's something for us as whether we're young or old, knowing how to follow well, follow those who've done something. Having Terry here this week, you see people who've fought battles and done things that we are the recipients of the, that goodness. And we want, and they want their ceiling to be our floor. The, the sign of a leader is to see people surpass them and go further. But as those who are growing into leadership, we need to be good, particularly, I would just say particularly to young people because it, we can be so, we can be arrogant and think we know best and we've not gained that wisdom and we need to be good at that. You see, Joshua spent time with Moses. <laughs> he just spent time hanging out with this leader who he saw as someone who was leading God's people. And he thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with him. I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to copy. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be him, but I'm going to learn from him. He also just lingered in God's presence. When Moses had left, jo Joshua would hang around because he wanted to be where the spirit of God was. And so that's the first thing we can do. He had faith when spying out the land. So I, I believe it's important and hopefully is helpful for us to recognise that someone, it's important to recognise someone who's gone before us for two reasons. Firstly, it reminds us that we have a great opportunity to begin building leadership equity with others well before we have the position of leader. See, Joshua maximised his time with Moses by working hard, by being loyal and patient. These things were obviously noticed and appreciated by other people. They saw something in him as he served, as he worked hard, as he gave his time. And this made Joshua's move into leadership a smooth one. It sort of just naturally happened because he'd gained credibility by serving Moses, by hanging out with Moses. See, my story is... When, I, um, when we were part of Ascot Life Church, it was Ascot Baptist Church at the time, uh, I was working uh, for IBM, just doing a normal job, um, and they needed someone to look after the youth work. So voluntarily, you just start serving. You start doing the youth work. And that was voluntary. And then people see something as you just get on and serve, as you just put your head down and and do what needs to be do as, as you get there early to set up the chairs, as you serve and do things, then you, something happens. And then when there was an opportunity for the church to take on someone to do youth work as a job and, and really give time for that, 
there was just a natural step into that. It wasn't like we need to do this massive hiring uh, process. You do things properly, obviously, but actually there was a natural step because that's already observed and seen. See, God makes way for the gift. God makes way for the people to come into it. And secondly, the important thing is it prompts us to enter into leadership without a lot of pomp or pride. Again, one of our biggest challenges in, the, in life is pride. Look at me. Look how uh, amazing I am. Look at my leadership gift. But when you run alongside and walk alongside someone and it's just a natural moment of it happening, you don't need all that pomp and pride. You don't need that. It's just a natural thing. See, Moses had developed, d- devoted followers who liked the way he led. And if Joshua jumps in and makes a bunch of changes right away, things could go poorly. And so I just want to encourage us, young or old, let's always be respectful and try and honour any leader that has gone before us. Let's not try and rock the boat too much when we first move into an area of leadership or responsibility. Let's do it wisely. As I said, I'd gone from a voluntary youth leader to a paid youth worker and then when I became an elder in the church it was just the next step it wasn't a big hoo-ha it was just there's recognition you step into that place because that's what God's doing and then you just serve where you are and then it's by God's grace and by God's hand that you move into different areas of responsibility and sometimes it's a surprise to yourself you me really What do you see in me, actually? What people see in you when you serve and work hard is someone who is willing to follow those who've gone ahead of you, who honour those who've gone ahead of you. So that's the first one of the seven. Someone has gone before us. Let's be a people who honour and respect and follow well those who lead ahead of us. Secondly, we've been called by God. (laughs) You see that in the second half of verse to hence today's title called to lead you see in this passage God clearly calls Joshua into a leadership position this is a big deal not because he got the job but because Joshua would now shift his focus he would have to shift from focusing on tasks that serve the people and he would have to change his uh, um, mindset from the tasks to serving God's people, not just getting stuff done, but looking after the people of God. And when you move into leadership, your focus shifts. He would change his mindset from, I'm going to get to the promised land, to, I've got to get all these people to the promised land. And that's quite different. I could say, I'm going to walk to the other end of that, this marquee and just go, and you'd just be sat in your chair. It'd be very different for me to say, right, let's go to the other side of the marquee. And that's what Joshua had to do. He had to shift from getting himself to the promised land to getting God's people to the promised land. And we know from several places in the Bible that leadership is a gift. God called Joshua. He gifted him. In Romans 12, verse 8, we see um, this wonderful passage. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. 
For just as each one of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You get that? When you've got that gift that's given to you, you do it particularly on leadership. Do it diligently. Work hard at it. Psalm 78, I love this, um, of David. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel's inheritance. He took a shepherd of sheep and made him a shepherd of people. He'd gifted him something to do and he then took that and did that with God's people. What God puts in you is what he puts in you and you can use that uh, for his glory to lead his people and a gift is something that can't be earned it's something that's given a gift is given it's given by the owner of that gift and to know that our position of leadership has been given to us from God should be the greatest pride killer that there is and it should increase our love for the people of God that he's given us to lead. Friends, we're entrusted with a gift, but more than a gift, we're entrusted with God's people to lead. So it's not all about what you can do, it's about who you lead, and whether that be your little family. I have a a wonderful wife, two great little boys, and actually that's where I learn a load of stuff about leadership and to be honest that's where I probably make most of my mistakes as well but you lead where you are because actually you lead people and then obviously you lead yourself and once we know that there's a gift that's been given it then needs to be used it needs to be deployed and how do we know where and when and how to use this gift well God leads us by his spirit He tells us. He will help us. I'm always amazed at people of faith. I think um, of Simon and Kate Walker, who um, probably less than two months ago knew that they would be moving to Cardiff. (laughs) But they're living in Cardiff now, having felt God say go, with a passion to reach the nations, with the prophetic and apostolic and leading that they had, they went. Because God spoke to them. You see, God speaks to us when and how to deploy the leadership gifts that he's given us. Or what about someone like Malcolm Kays, who for 25 years has led the Coin Church in Woking. To build and send others. To stay and lead the people that God had given him responsibility to lead. Obedient to the Holy Spirit. Not to go, but to stay and send. You see, these are all important things. And, and for me, um, it's a strange one. I, felt, I, I really felt God called me to, to be a leadership, to leadership from a young age. Um, I was at an 
Ishmael praise party. Some of you will know who that is. Some of you think, who is that? Um, that basically there was this, this um, chap who you do, did sort of kids praise parties um, and gather people together. And you go to these things. And, and one time I had a, a prophecy from Ishmael. He just picked me up from the front of the crowd and just spoke a word about um, leadership and growing into leadership. And from there it was a, it was a journey of discovery. A journey of discovering who God has made me to be. Last night in the youth, we were looking at um, what it means to, to be who God has made you. He's given you gifts and talents. There's something who make you who you are. And there's that journey of discovery of working out who you are um, in God. Now, some of us will have the gift of leadership. There'll be others who have gifts of encouragement. But when you hit your sweet spot finding out who you are, you can flow and move in that gift and it's not prideful if God has gift you, given you a gift of leadership and, what, and someone says to you, what's your gift? And you say, I just think God's given me a gift of leadership. That's understanding who God's made you. There's no pride in that. There doesn't have to be any pride in that. But it's much better to be honest about who God's made you than try and sort of, oh, oh I think God's made me a leader. No, let's be true to what God has put in us. Now, I remember going to a seminar at... Um, a New Day-like event, and it was about finding your ministry. I was like, Lord, what's my ministry? What have you called me to? What have you called me to? And it's those moments you go to these things. I'll come back to that story in a bit later as well. What have you made me to be? It's pursuing it. It's investigating. It's trying things out. It's getting things wrong. And as we do that, we will grow into what God has got us. So it's a gift, a work of the Holy Spirit. So go where he goes. Spiritual leadership involves a spiritual calling. Once we are called, we then need to respond with obedience to say, you've called me to do this. I'm in. Let's go. So that's the second one. We're called by God. We're called by God. Thirdly, we'll be equipped by God. God tells Joshua that he's going to succeed. <laughs> How cool is that? It's going to work. God has made a promise to Joshua that he will see the people enter the promised land and take possession of it. When God calls us into leadership, he has made a promise just as he made to Joshua. He promises to give us everything we need to be successful. And if this is true, we, we have no reason to feel insecure. And we have no reason to think, that there's a lid on our capacity to lead. Because if God gives us what we need to fulfill the gift he's put in us and to serve his people, we'll be able to do it. But how do we get better? How do we know? How, how, how do we get better at leadership? How do, we, how, how do we grow in it? Can be a common question. Am I really cut out for this? Am I good enough to lead? Why am I doing a seminar at West Point? We often ask those things because that's where the doubt gets into our mind. And that's where the enemy wants to get in and stop people leading. You see, Satan would be really happy if commission doesn't see thousands of lives transformed in hundreds of churches in tens of nations. So the way he does that, can do that is by stopping leadership. But Bill Hybels in um, his book Axiom says this, I'm often asked how in addition to reading, so read, to get better as a leader. 
So as well as reading books about leadership, how do I get better as a leader? And if I'm in a playful mood, I'll sometimes say with a smile, just lead something. Leaders get better when they're on the job, engaged in the day-to-day rigors of trying to push a ball up a field. They get better, they get better from getting a little banged up and determining to keep going anyway. But the best way for leaders to get better is to lead something besides their main thing. This is, I think this is really helpful. I believe leaders will get better when they serve on boards that have nothing to do with the churches they serve, where they serve a local bank, serve your neighbourhood, YMCA, serving an interesting uh, non-profit company, serve at a community college. I coach leaders, but find a leadership opportunity that is complex, diverse, and consistent with your passions. The carryover effects will astound you. And I know that's um, true of myself. So about seven years ago, um, I became a governor in a local school. And um, about four years ago, became the chair of governors um, of that governing body in the local school. And the amount I've learned about leadership, about um, leading people, about achieving vision and mission of an organization that's not the church, has been so, so helpful in leading in a local church or in a family of churches like this or serving young people. You see, that has stretched me and the the training opportunities I had that I would never have had if I just did what I do just opened up my eyes and and made it much, much um, greater opportunity to learn, to, to lead better. So if you have got aspirations to lead, whether it's in the church or not, find a place where you can lead and and serve that's not in the normal way if you've got the time to do that if you've not got the time to do it I would say encourage I would encourage you make the time make the time to um, do something uh, different if you're if you're young and at school or at uni or college get plugged in start serving in the CU or go on the school council or things like this do those kind of things that will help stretch you you see leadership is not just a church thing It's not just a church thing, and we need to do it well wherever we are, but it helps in the church if we expose ourselves to this, remembering God gives us what we need. He doesn't ask anything from us that he hasn't already provided to us, whether it be giving, gifting, or faith. God gives us the resources to draw our contributions from, and leadership is no exception. And also, knowing that God equips us helps us fight against pride, as I said earlier. We can never really say, I did it, because the truth will always be, he did it. But actually, as I was reading my notes earlier, I think it's a bit more accurate to say, we did it. God with us, doing us together. So if someone says to you, well done, Simon, that was a great preach on Sunday, don't say, oh, it wasn't me, it was God. That's false humility. You can say, thank you, I worked really hard at that. I'm really glad that God met with you. But actually there's a partnership with God as he speaks to those who speak, as he works through us. We can actually say, we did it together with God's power, by the grace of God, to build up his people. In regard to this, I just want to say something that hopefully will be quite helpful. Self-awareness is really important uh, for leaders to understand. been hanging out with a, a chap called Gary Borland this last year, who just, um, again, like my friend Charles, asks really good questions of you that make you think and, and, and um, 
look at how you're doing things. But self-awareness is really important. Are you aware, are we aware of our strengths and weaknesses? Because I think sometimes leaders, and we can as leaders, be afraid to acknowledge our weaknesses and make too much of our strengths. And it's really important that we are ready to ask for help in areas of weakness where we know we're, just, we're self-aware. Maybe we know that we're just not the best person to do that, so you ask someone else. Um, and I found that recently... Um, with all the things that Simon was saying that I've sort of been involved with, being a governor of two schools, uh, being part of a leadership team in a church, being part of Commission UK leadership team, running the SEND stuff, also looking at the Commission Youth stuff, you can fill up your capacity. And I was feeling a bit on the edge of stress, to be honest. And then a good friend of mine suddenly died. He was 25. And I'd at that moment realised I wasn't a hundred meters away from the edge of the cliff, I was on the precipice because I literally fell off. And with stress, I was just like, I'd never experienced that before. And it's in those moments that you need to ask people for help. So we've got this really terrible, terrible habit in Christianity to when people say, how are you doing? We answer, I'm fine. And I found myself in a place of when people came up to me on a Sunday and they said, how are you doing, Dave? I'm leading a church, so I want to answer fine. (laughs) And I'm just like, I'm not doing well at all. This has been really tough. I'm not feeling well. I can't eat properly. I'm really stressed out. But not one person ran away thinking, oh, flip. (laughs) Dave's, Dave's lost it. Actually, most people said, can we pray for you? Can we encourage you? Is there anything we can do? And so self-awareness of where we are is massively important for leaders. Whether you're young or old, if you can understand that, it will make such a massive difference in how you lead. And we need to be better at this, leaders. Let's not let our insecurity or fear of failure get in the way of what God wants to do. Fourthly, God has something for us that is bigger than we think. God gives Joshua the boundaries of the promised land. And I'm betting that the scope of it was beyond what Joshua had previously imagined. I believe this is a result of Joshua proving to be a faithful steward over all that the Lord or Moses had given him to do. As he'd served, as he'd worked, as he'd built, the scope of what God was then going to bring him into was bigger than he'd imagined. And as we steward well what's in our hands now, we can know that God is bringing something more than we could have ever imagined. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Everyone who wants to lead, everyone who leads wants more. It's just something about leadership. You want more, bigger, greater, more people saved, more churches planted, more um, customers for the business. And we see throughout the scripture that the key to more later is being a faithful steward now. Are you faithful with the small things? Are you faithful with the small things? Are you I, just, I remember it. You just turn up and set the chairs up at church. 
or you just be diligent in leading the life group and you be there first and last, just serving and leading with the small things. You see in the parable of the talents, where at the end where the master, for those who took their talents and used them and grew them, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. What you, you were faithful with little, I will set you over much more. If we're faithful with the little that God gives us, he will give us more because God is a God of abundance, particularly when it's about lives being changed and the lost being found. God wants more and he's going to give us what we need to do that. And knowing that God has got something great in store for us as we faithfully steward what we have now should work well to keep us from doing it on our own. Don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the same uh, day of small things. As I said earlier, I went to this uh, seminar at this um, summer uh, festival. What's my ministry? What have you called me to do? What's the great thing for Dave Rogers to be doing? I thought I'd go to this seminar and God would just speak to me about what he called me to do. And I'd come away knowing exactly how to map out the rest of my life of leadership and serving him. Um, And I went to the seminar and the whole thing was about serving God. (laughs) And I didn't get the answer that I was expecting, but I got the answer that I needed. Leadership is about serving So I was working for IBM, thinking, God, why am I working for IBM? I'm working on an IT help desk. Uh, I I answer the phone every day and just help people fix their computers. Why am I doing this job? I thought you called me into leadership. I thought you called me to church leadership. I'd still lived with that that, um, prophecy from Ishmael that I had when I was nine or ten. God, you've spoken to me. Why Why am I doing this? And then one day, I was sat on the phone in Farnborough, on the phone and someone phoned in and I heard myself saying what I was saying and it was good afternoon IT service desk how may I help you and a light bulb went on my head the two words that stuck out to me service desk and help you and all of a sudden I realized that leadership is far more about serving and helping that is a, it is about any platform or any stage or any kudos. It's about serving and helping. And that's the kind of service we see in the Bible. That is the kind of service we see in Joshua and his namesake, Jesus, who came to serve and not be served. So God even uses the jobs that he gives us to shape our leadership as he teaches us these things. It all starts with serving. If you feel called to lead or called to raise up leaders, service and serving is at the heart of the whole thing. If you're young and you're not yet leading, start serving. Start getting there and helping do things that you can do in your church. Just serve. And don't even look for any kind of recognition. Because it's not the recognition that's important. It's your heart to serve. And it's God who gives the recognition when he sees a heart willing to follow him and serve him. So if you want to be a good leader, you need to be a great follower. If you want to be a good leader, you need to be a great servant of God's people and of God himself. Fifthly, how are we doing? We're doing well. We're doing okay. I thought, how am I going to feel an hour and a half? But it's going quite well. Um, 
With all things, sorry, with God, all things are possible. We learn that from Joshua. God's team is always the winning team. We know that even know that when things seem bleak, he will not be stopped. The only catch to this idea is that we can freely choose to stop trusting in him and bail out ourselves. But he will not be stopped. If we do bail out and stop trusting him, the only thing that changes is our ability to be there when God does exactly what he'd intended to do anyway. I want to be there when God does what he intended to do as I lead. I don't want to bail out and miss out on what he's doing. Because we do have that choice. We can, like, bottle it. But actually, if we press in, even through those tough times, it's those moments of calling that as le- in leadership you think, why am I doing this, God? This is just... And the calling of God, who's called you out to lead, pulls you through those moments of bleakness. Let's, also, let's always see things from God's perspective that we are with Jesus Christ, Christus Victor, the one who's won the victory. He is whose side we're on. It's his church he's building. We get to be play a part in that. If God is for us, who can stand against us? If God has a purpose, we need to be faithful to him. We have an enemy. We need to take that very seriously and take him very seriously. But ultimately, Jesus is going to return one day for his people. For, I imagine, multitudes beyond our imagining that he will return for and he will accomplish what he sets out to accomplish. The question is, will you be part of that adventure as you follow him and are called to lead? Number six, we have to take responsibility. So the next thing we can learn from verse six in Joshua, we have to take responsibility God tells Joshua quite plainly that it's up to him to get his people to the place that they need to go. And if this is true, that everything rises and falls on leadership, then we have to own the reality that a lot of people are counting on us to be a good leader. Just the reality of it. Our corporate success is dependent on the leader's success. But you don't have to carry it alone. That's what I'd like to say to us. One of the things I love about serving in the Commission Youth Team, uh, we have a lot of fun with the young people serving, the young people who are brilliant. But we've got a great team. People who take different levels of responsibility. At the end of the day, the buck stops with me. But actually, it doesn't mean I have to do everything. It doesn't have to mean I have to take responsibility for everything. It means I can empower and equip and release other members of the team just to to lead and make decisions and to make it move forward and make it work. Responsibility lies with leadership, but that is not a singular word. (laughs) It doesn't have to be a singular word. It's something that we do together. That's why uh, in the Bible they appointed teams of elders. Because you strengthen one another. That's why we work in teams at places like West Point. That's why teams make, make ground better. But as a team, you take responsibility together in that. And that can impre- increase the pressure that we feel, knowing that we have responsibility to deliver on what God has called us to do. But if we remember the things that we've looked at before, then there's no need to increase this pressure. We can lead knowing that God will equip us to do exactly what he's called us to do. And as we walk in the truth, 
other people will benefit. So if you feel called to lead, there's a calling on you to take responsibility. Those of us who are elders in our churches, we take responsibility for the protection of the churches that God has given us to to look after. We take that responsibility seriously. We have to meet Jesus face to face and answer for that one day. That's not a scary thing. That is a wonderful thing because God gives us what we need to do that. He gives us his Holy Spirit and he gives us people alongside us who will encourage us and help us in that. And number seven, the final thing that we need to know from Joshua is he says three times. He says once, be strong and courageous. And he says, be strong and very courageous. We need courage We need courage to lead. You need courage to make decisions that are going to take whatever you're leading forward. You need courage to maybe, if you're leading a life group, to take the life group through a certain study. You need courage to take a church through a name change and a site start. You need courage to lead God's people into these things. And God says to Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. I want to say, I think, that's the same as have faith. Have faith. Be strong and courageous equals have faith. I'm with you. The right way to live and lead, friends, is by faith. Hebrews 11 tells us faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we do not, what we do not see. Leadership is that all over. You have a belief for something in the future, but you can't quite see it as reality so you step out into faith and do it just thinking about Simon and and the guys at Grace Church the Amesbury Church site is now a reality that was once a vision of the future that they couldn't see quite and a dream but it's becoming reality because they stepped out in faith they were strong and courageous and did it and that's why God says to Joshua three times Be strong and courageous, or have faith, have faith. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, the importance of faith with this truth. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is so important. If you want to lead well, lead with faith. And that's not just in the church. That's in the business world. That's in any world. You can have faith for what God's called you to do. You can have faith that actually you're going to lead differently in that context. You're going to lead with integrity, with the the values that you have as a follower of Christ. That takes faith. That takes courage and boldness. Just as much as leading a church to start a new church plant or a site. And God says that to Joshua three times on purpose stepping out in faith is vital friends it may feel like a risk but when God has spoken and given us faith we can do it confidently with full assurance that he's in it faith is believing in the promises of God more than we fear the circumstances we're currently in it's believing and leading with the promises of God as our certainty that produces courage and strength and faith. It's taking that moment where you're going to step out, whether it's a small thing like 
you're part of a life group or a small group or connect group and the leader's away next week. And he says, I'm not here next week. Is there anyone who could just lead for us next week? I'll do it. Be strong and courageous. I think I can do that. Give it a go. It's when someone says, can you do this talk? And you say, I I think I can. Be strong and courageous. I'll step up and do it. It's when, when you have to make a stand in the workplace because things aren't maybe done the way that your conscience tells you is right. You say, excuse me, but I don't think that's the right way to do it. How about we do it this way? This may actually bring more revenue in or stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's just having courage and faith that we can step out into these things. So these are the things that we, I would suggest, need to know. But I'm just going to do three, um, these are the seven things that we need to know. But there are three things that we need to do if we've got a calling to leadership. So we've seen what, uh, what Joshua needed to know and what we need to know from Joshua. But what are the things that we need to do learning from Joshua? Firstly, and I'll do these quickly, know the word of God. Know the word of God. Joshua is told in this passage that his success as a leader is directly tied to his commitment to God's word. Nothing is more important in the life of a follower of Jesus than to know Jesus. And we see Jesus in the word of God. We know him through the Bible primarily. And we know him through his spirit. Our success will be directly tied to how well we know the Bible and leverage its truth as we follow Jesus, it says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the left or to the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. Let's be faithful to God's word, the truth that he gives us as those who lead God's people or lead in any context of life. So if you feel called to lead, know your Bible. Read your Bible. Read it. Study it. Read books. Learn discipline. Understand what God is saying to you in his word because that's what's going to keep us grounded into the truth of who he is and what he has planned. Get stuck in to your word. Secondly, something we need to do is believe. As I said earlier, being strong and courageous is another way to say lead by faith. Faith equips us to live and lead believing that God is with us and for us. The fact that we're leading in the first place, is proof that God has brought us this far and will go with us into the future. God is with us. Do we really believe we're following the reigning king of kings? Do we really believe that? (laughs) He is with us. He's called us. Do we believe he's with us? Friends, this should give you massive boldness. Massive boldness to lead diligently, as we read in Romans. So we need, to, we need to know the word of God. We need to believe and have faith. And then thirdly, as the uh, world famous theologian Nike famously said, just do it. Just do it. I love the fact that Joshua listened to this instruction from God and then simply began to lead the people. It says this in verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of other people. 
go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. You have the first half when God calls him to it, and then by verse 10, Joshua is already telling people what to do in a good leadership type of way. He just got on with it. We're not doing anyone any good if we spend all of our time trying to learn more about leading, but never actually stepping forward to start leading. None of us will ever be perfect in leading. Just so you know that, set that one right out. You will never, ever, 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 ever be a perfect leader. And by the time you're perfect with a new body in heaven, it won't matter because Jesus will be there. Yeah? But while you're on this earth, you will never be the perfect leader. Understand that. But gain the confidence about it. Just get on doing what you can do with what God has given you to do. But we will not grow as leaders if we don't step up and actually lead. I know this seems obvious, but you do encounter people in leadership positions who aren't actually leading. It does happen again and again and again, and it happens in the church. If you're a leader, lead. Lead diligently, lead faithfully. Lead into what God has called you to do. Whatever God has got for you to do, go for it. Go for it. So, that's almost it. So let's remember what we've looked at this afternoon. Firstly, we follow in others' footsteps. People have gone before us. Let's be those who honour those who've gone before us. Let's build on what they have fought for. Let's never, ever dishonour them by being arrogant and saying, we know how to do it better. We may have some great ideas that help move things forward, but do it in a way of humility, thinking of them more highly than we do ourselves so that God can bless what we're doing. Because I think if we come in arrogantly, God will quite quickly cut it down. But if we build humbly on what God has got he will serve us so we follow in the footsteps of others secondly we've all been called by God to serve him with the gift he's given us it's a calling leadership's a calling as much as as a gift the character behind a leader is so important have you got faith thirdly God has given us all that we need he's equipped us he's given us the gifts He's made us who we are. He's given us our gifts and talents to be used, not to be stored away or buried in a field. I don't want to be like that servant that came back who buried the treasure and, and, the, and the master was pretty unhappy with. That was an understatement. He was, let's use the talents that God's given us uh, when, he, when he equips us. Fourthly, the promises of God are way bigger than we can imagine. I think this vision to see thousands of lives transformed through hundreds of churches in tens of nations is massive. But that's what's exciting. It would be boring if we thought, right, let's just try and do this little thing. But the fact that God has called us to be part of his mission to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ is massive. It's massive, and his promises are bigger. I think, we'll, I think, I have faith. I do believe it. I think we'll smash it one day. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a time frame. But the day when there literally are 
thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands who've been affected because of our family of churches. And that's not about commission, that's about the Great Commission. Can you imagine not just hundreds of churches around the world, but thousands of churches around the world? Churches that are big, churches that are small, and everywhere in between. Because they're churches, and they're God's people. And in that, we can remember, with God, all things are possible. When it feels impossible, we're not trusting God enough. Because God makes the impossible possible. Are you trusting God for the impossible in your life? Sixthly, we have a responsibility in our lives. Will we obey our king? Let's take responsibility as leaders to go into all God has for us. And then seventhly, we can all live lives of faith. In all the things we see in Joshua, we can see this is a real leadership um, teaching thing that he was a fatso. Joshua was a fatso. He was faithful. He was available. He was teachable. He was spirit-led, and he was obedient. If you want to be a good leader, you need to be a fatso. Are you faithful? Are you faithful with little? Will you take the things, the small things, and use them to serve God? Will you be available? I remember my friend, um, Chris, who's now um, on the eldership team in Ascot. There was a time where he just did not think he was available. He runs his own business. But when he made that step to say, I will choose to be available, God has honored him with time to help him be part of that team that leads the church. Are you available to, for God to use you in what he has for you? Thirdly, Moses, uh, Joshua was teachable. He learned from Moses. He spent time with Moses. If you want to be a good leader, you need to be teachable. You need to be able to take correction. Um, you need to be able to take criticism because um, there will be lots of people who want to criticize you. Even people you think who love you <laughs> will criticize you. How do you take that? Be teachable. Joshua was spirit-led. He was God-led. Friends, in any kind of leadership, you need to surrender to God's leading and go where he goes. And then finally, he was obedient. I once heard discipleship defined, hear and obey. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you hear and obey. So if you feel like you've got a call to leadership, I would say ask yourself, these things of you are these true of you are you faithful available teachable spirit-led and obedient is that part of who you are if you are looking to raise up leaders find young men and women who display these characteristics or at least some of them to start with the same characteristics as we see joshua and spend time with those people encourage them teach them spur them on let them loose into all God has for them. There's nothing like it. It's my, one of my greatest pleasures and biggest joys is seeing other people come into a place of leadership. And what's even more exciting is when they do it better than you do. We've got a young man in our church who's just a brilliant preacher. It's like, I listen to him preach and think, oh, I wish I could preach like that. And he's, he's 22. But actually... Leaders, if we're not secure in ourselves, will say, oh, I can't handle that. Let's not let them preach too much. We need to make sure we're doing it all. I think, just let them go. If they're preaching better than you, let them preach more. If they're doing things better than you, let them do that more. Because that's what leadership is about. It's about the church being all God wants it to be. So that's one of my biggest joys is seeing that happen. I'm sure that's true of many of you in this room. Um, and I think when we see this happening, 
again and again as a family of churches, we really will start to see thousands of lives transformed. I really believe we'll see hundreds of churches around the world and reaching nation after nation after nation. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing we've been caught up with, friends. Jesus' great commission (laughs) to see this world transformed. And as leaders, we have a part to play in that. As potential leaders, you have a part to play in that. As those who want to take ground for the gospel, we have a part to play in what God is doing as he calls us to lead into the future of what he has for us as a family. But more importantly, what he has as a plan for his kingdom on earth in this in this time that we're part of. Thank you very much um, for listening. Um, I've just been pondering what how we should wrap up. Um, Simon's going to help me do this as well. But was, are there any questions, any things, thoughts you have? Any, um, any things, just shout them out and we'll try and answer them. If not, um, I was thinking what we could do to finish would be just to pray for one another. Um, there's enough of us to do that really comfortably, actually, uh, which, is, which is fantastic. Just We can get into small groups. But are there any, any questions um, from the stuff that I've shared, not sort of, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, so how do we how do we um, feedback to people who we maybe think are not coping? We've observed something in them. We think, oh, maybe they're not coping, they're struggling. Um, there, there are different ways you can do it. I'm sure those of us who've um, been in church leadership have had many ways of people coming to feedback to us about how well they think we're leading. Um, sometimes it's done very graciously. Sometimes it's done very clumsily. Um, as leaders, if we want to in- help those who are alongside us or uh, leading, I think, I think it just has to come out of a relationship and having walked with them and been with them. If, if someone comes up, I think, if someone comes up to you and say, I'd like to say something to you in love, I personally would say, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Because the person who can say something to you in love doesn't need to say that. They can just say what they think. You know what I mean? We use that, don't we? Can I say something to you in love? No, no thank you. Um... <laughs> But the person who comes up who's your friend who says, actually, I've seen that in you, is the person who is saying in love. And so I think correction, encouragement needs to come from a place of relationship and trust. So, yeah. Hello. I I think um, that will, again, come down to relationship accountability, having people in your life that you can talk into it um, well, um, being able to take constructive criticism... Um, people saying, actually, I've seen this in you. Um, you need to, to watch that. Or, oh, you said that. Um, and I wasn't sure what you meant behind that. Or things like that. So I think we have to guard our own hearts. But we need people to help us sometimes in that to, um, to just challenge us. I, I, I would think, I would hope, and this is the challenge, isn't it? Because we have church, it's in church leadership. You have eldership teams and it still happens. But actually... Um, those places need to be robust um, and open uh, in that respect. And Simon has got, yeah. I think it's a great question. I think a really healthy thing to do, regardless of where you are in the kind of leadership spectrum, is to say to a handful of people, please would you speak into my life? And you want to include those people that are willing to say some tough things. So I said that to my elders, I want you to speak into my life. Um, we're overseen apostolically so to the person who oversees it please we want you to speak into us as a team say some tough things so you've then given them some permission so when they then say some tough things they've got a clear way because you've given them permission to do that I think that's helpful 
Um, do you know what? I was chatting to John Hosier. Do you know John Hosier? Um, been around in New Frontiers for, you know, 220 years. You know, he's, he's got a, a he's, he's been in leadership, I think, for 50 years or something. He said, I've seen people fall. He said, I've seen people being in accountability groups that have fallen. I've seen people. So all those things are helpful. He said, ultimately, what it comes down to is what Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and doctrine carefully. Watch your life, watch your doctrine, what you believe carefully. Get people around you, give them permission, accountability, yes and amen to that. But also we have a responsibility in God as Christians and particularly as leaders to watch our life and doctrine. But I do think saying to a handful of people, please have permission to speak in, I think is quite helpful. I think that is one of the great joys of being part of a family of churches where we have apostolic input and, and oversight in that respect in a, in a positive way. Um, at the end of the day, you need to... <laughs> I think we need to get better at deploying people better um, in a positive sense. So you may have grace and anointing to lead something of a certain size that then grows beyond or something happens. And actually, the best move for you is not to stay and struggle on, is to be redeployed to do something again somewhere else but the, we need to create a culture where that is okay and it's not that's not and to say that that is not a failure of that person that is that is where that person can take us so there may be there may be a place that i can go with ascot life church and we can go as a team with ascot life church but we might need different gifts in the future we might that i might just be able to do that and not much more and, and it depends on the vision and the, 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 the dreams of, of the leadership and of the church. Um, but if, we were, if we're working really closely together, we could say, well, actually, this person is brilliant. And Steve Tibbet talks about stuff like this really well about sizes of churches. Is this person is brilliant taking a church from 50 people to 150 people, but they're not going to be able to take a church from 150 people to 400 people or 250. Let's go from 150 to 250. And actually, if we're working together, if we're part of a family and we're mobile and ready to move and can do stuff, we can say, oh, we've got a church down the, down the road that's got 50 people, but they don't have a leader that can take them to 150. Actually, let's go there and let's serve that. So I think we could do that better. I think it does need self-awareness of leaders to say, oh, I'm I, I just busting a gut and it's not making any difference. I can't do any more. Um, so we have leadership teams uh, playing to gifting strength rather than a title. So what are you gifted to do? Play to the strengths and abilities that God has given you in leadership. So at Ascot Life Church, I won't do all the, um, I won't do all the teaching. There are other people who are better at doing certain teaching than me. There are, there are others who, who have got a much better handle on preaching into finance, for example, and who will do that and stir the church. So I think it's, it's knowing strength, knowing weakness and the level at which we can get to and finding ways of which we can deploy people in a much better way so that we're not if you've if you've got your church to 150 and then you've it's not like you've failed because it's not going any further at the same time i would say let's also not limit our capacity and our ability let's stretch for more let's believe that god can grow our gifting <clears throat> if we're not if it's not growing we need to be on our knees saying god I need help to grow this. We need to be studying, we need to be reading, we need to grow in our leadership gift. We need to be learning wider so that we can do things more as well. So if you've got people in the team and the church who 
who are struggling to do, actually, let's, let's find a plan. Let's equip them um, in these things. Let's grow them to do that rather than say, right, you're done. Move over. We've got this next person coming in. Let's just be those who equip and encourage and release people into what God has for them. Does that sort of hopefully answer the question a bit? I think it's those, it's those moments where hope deferred makes the heart sick. As you say, it needs honest discussion around that. It needs honest and open. What were you dreaming? Was that, let's be honest, we can hear from God and we can hear from God. Can't we? Uh, uh, ben Davis once said, did God really say that to you? <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I think he did. But actually, you need wise input. If there's someone who you th- that, that they've got a real passion to, to do something that's incredible, and the time you've spent with them realise this person is not the person to do that, there needs to be real open, honest discussion. Say, actually, is that really what you're called to do? And actually, you're safe. It's like the X Factor. These people that go on the X Factor who cannot sing, but their family tell them they can sing, they are cruel to that person. Actually, Simon Cowell, being a bit mean, is the one who is helping that person by saying, you can't do it. Or you need to go away and have some singing lessons. And it's when they go and have some singing lessons, they come back and have learned to sing, and then they get through. Maybe there are people... You've got, you've got a great heart and a great passion. Why don't you get some leadership training and come back and try again? So I think it's real open honesty, but also, did God say that? Has God really spoken? That's why in any prophetic word that's brought in church here, we need to weigh it really wisely uh, and carefully to not set people up for a fall that they didn't need to go for. hope that answers the question slightly better than the first time. <laughs> yep. We, we need to be a little bit careful with language, language in I don't believe there are junior elders. I think you're an elder or an elder um, because it's about character. God raises people up. Um, I think it's about talking it through, praying it through, bringing apostolic in again. So if there's, a, if there's an impasse, now I've been an elder for seven years, almost eight, and we've not had a disagreement in that time that doesn't, that's hold, held us back. And again, we've, we've gone with where people have got faith and whether, um, how, this, how that's worked. Um, so um, I think, um, how do you deal with it? Because there will be things. It, it, our church in the past, historically, is a Baptist church, and there would be church meetings where there'd be disagreements over the color of the paint. That's a long time ago. But there still is moments of disagreement. And I think you need to see where God has put faith. So um, if one of, our, one of our eldership team had a real gift of evangelism, for example, and they say, I just feel faith that we need to try this. And then maybe I've not got that gift of evangelism. I'm thinking this is going to cost us too much. I'm not sure it's going to make any difference. Um, not really sure. But if they come with that real gift of faith and say, I just believe we should do that, I'm going to say, we're with you. We're in this together. Let's go for it. We're going to pray about it. We're going to talk about it. And there'll be times. So there'll be times, I say about disagreement, no disagreements. There'll be times I said, we should do this. We should brand it this. And the other elders have said, actually, are you sure that's a wise idea, Dave? And I've then gone away and thought about it a bit longer <laughs> and realized that that was probably a foolish thing to try and think about doing. But it's become because they've said, rather than said, no, we're not going to do that, it's been that 
what do you let, try and think about that again? Really, why is that done? And it's and I've never had the thing of, well, we've tried that in the past. We shouldn't try it in the future. Again, that's that honouring the, the 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 past, the, the the leaders that have gone ahead of you. Um, I work on an I'm on an eldership team with my dad, um, which is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's just such a great privilege. But he's fought battles that I'm never going to have to fight, and I. Fighting for the gifts of the spirit to be uh, free in churches, uh, and and we're gonna f- we're gonna stand on the shoulders of those battles that have been fought, and honour that. And I don't know if anybody remember a few years ago, Mark Driscoll was um, at the leaderships conference, and he talked about honouring the founder and honouring the future. We need to get a good balance. We need to honour those who've gone before us, but we also do need an eye on the future of where God wants to take us. And you can get to the future without in any way dishonouring those who've done stuff in the past. Um, but, but eldership, leadership teams, it's all about relationship. Um, and, and when those, the relationships aren't working, you're going to have much more of those disagreements. Um, I'm not the best person to speak on disagreements in an eldership team. Um, but, but Simon is. <laughs> no, no, that's a joke, Joe. No, I'm really not, but let me give you an example. In our eldership teams, we have five elders. Uh, a year ago, we changed the name of our church. And uh, so we were Salisbury City Church. We were then going multi-site into Salisbury and Amesbury and um, hopefully other places. So we were no longer just Salisbury. We were no longer going into a city. So the only we had three words and only one of them worked, and that was church. So we needed to change. Now, what do you change it to? How do you go about, I mean, that, if we said, what do you want in the church? They'd get a hundred different opinions. So I came to the eldership team. Guys, I've been thinking, I've been praying. This is the name. I want us to be called Grace Church. And uh, one of the, most of the elders were up for it. One of the elders was pretty dubious, to be honest. But this is how we work it as an eldership team. We have like a line. Up until that line, anyone can say anything and agree and disagree and be robust in it. But once we agree as a team, that's it. We are, it's as though we've each 100% gone for it. So I'm not sure there's anyone in our church here, but if they were, they wouldn't know which elder that was. Because since we made that decision, they are 100% behind it. And they wouldn't see a glimmer of rebellion or, oh, I didn't think that would work. 100%. I've heard him preach it. I've heard him, and I think that's someone with integrity. Uh, And so that's kind of how, there's a line for us. And I, as a leader, want to hear everything here, and I want to be wise. And I've changed some stuff because I've heard other elders, but on something like that, I felt it was kind of from God, and I don't play that card very often. But because that guy's a man of integrity, he gets fully behind it and is going for it. So maybe that's helpful brilliant I think um, time is up and we had loads of questions sorry yeah I think um, prayer is the key to revival as Paul Yonggi Cho said Um, if we want to see anything happen I think Terry has been touching on that hasn't he the last couple of days about the importance of prayer not that I have to pray but I want to pray I want to be part of what God's doing and if a church decides to have people who are real interceders and pray warriors and and get behind it I think I think any church making big moves big decisions we when we changed our name moved to our venue we we spent time praying um, a lot and when things weren't going as well as we want we called the whole church together to pray Uh, we just need prayer to be at the heart of everything we're doing because that's how you hear from God Prayer is not, here's our list, God. Prayer is hearing God's will for us. 
Um, and so absolutely prayer. And, and I didn't touch on it tonight, this afternoon, but prayer in the life of a leader. You need to pray. You just need to sometimes be on your face, praying for people, praying for situations, praying for breakthrough. Um, and, and we can just move forward. So yeah, it's, it's key, key, Dave. Brilliant. I think um, we'd, we'd, we'll stop now. We were going to pray, but I think um, the afternoon is running away from us. Thank you so much for coming. I hope you found that helpful and um, have a great rest of the weekend.